Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Sports Show. I hope you're well and have had a great sporting week. Hi there, Glenn. How's oh. things? Oh, yeah, good. Yep. Beautiful day. Yeah, Livy and I just came back from the uh, the Hota, which is the home home of the arts here on the Gold Coast. It's got if you ever come to the Gold Coast here and the beautiful uh, in Queensland, Australia, oh, go to the Hota. There's, there's so many activities over there for free. Um, oh, exactly. Events always happening. It's my know. favourite part of the Gold Coast because yeah. you you got beautiful views of the city and uh, you've got like five levels of art. Uh, and we went and saw an exhibition today. It was on 100 years of the Archibald Prize. Uh, yeah. And the artworks yeah. was just amazing. Yeah. But, 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 you know, the, the Gold Coast is really a great city because it's always something to do and most of the time it's free. Yep, that's and, right. Like, there's always something on at the hotter mm. and it's free. Yeah, they have concerts. Yeah. I've never gone to the cinema there, have you? Or? No, but, mm. but I went there when I was doing the um, sound production course. Oh, yep. I went there to watch the rehearsal mm. of Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm. Some of the two of the students there were, were um, working the the sound desk. Yeah, because they they had a bit, you know everyone plays live, mm. and they're all underneath the stage. But instead of having and all the backdrops were big LED screens, mm. so they could change the scenery and. Right. Was this the amphitheater or, or the old the, uh, the yeah, old so, one? Yeah, inside. Yeah. Yep. No, that amphitheatre is amazing, you know, and um, yeah, and just walking around, you know, the lake there. It's a great place to go swimming in in yeah. summer, and yeah. you can get a ferry there. Yeah. yeah. And the, oh, but just the views, yeah. amazing. Yeah. You know? yeah. No, it's great fun. Yeah, you got a a slap for me for the week. Hit me with your slap for the week. Just trying to think. <laughs> Just trying to think. No, I want that. No, I could say it, but I won't. <laughs> I'm related to the people. Oh, I shouldn't laugh. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. uh, if you're listening and you got you got kids coming to teenage years and you think, that's trouble, well... The twenty five, the, the mid twenties of the new teens, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so. Yeah, they either grow up by then or they don't. <laughs> yeah. No, well. Um, but, hang on, I do have a slight. Oh, okay. I reckon it's because of violent computer games. Now I can actually see that that. It hasn't made him violent. It's made him reactive instead of responsive. Yeah. Yeah. Just because I remember, yeah, he'd be bloody up in his room until three o'clock in the morning, and I'd wake up and go, "Shut the beep up!" <laughs> yeah, just over a bloody game. Like, yeah, but what you could hear someone. 
yeah, my son. Oh, okay. Uh, yep. just, yeah. Yeah. But I, no, they're, 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 it, people are just addicted to them, aren't uh, they, some of them? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's an addiction problem, and especially with kids, you know, they can yeah, be up till all hours. But 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 it, it, it it's you know like it's only a game. Yeah. And 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 for years you just got so frustrated with other new people playing the game and getting cranky with them, and yeah. of course everyone, <laughs> everyone could hear each other and talking and that. I remember in the eighties the old Commodore sixty four uh, days. Yeah. Yeah, geez, I went through a few joysticks, Glenn. <laughs> In frustration. Uh, yeah. Trying to get onto the next level of Bruce Lee. and yeah. uh, But each time it'd be a trip all the way down the Penrith. <laughs> yeah. Back to yeah. Dick Smith Electronics to get another joystick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, thankfully I grew out of those days. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, I've got a slap when you go walking. And you know, I went for a walk this morning and luckily I didn't step in it. But people who don't pick up their dog's crap on the ground, yeah. that just annoys the hell out of me. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, just turning to sport. Now, I'm not going to talk about the cricket because I'm just going to get too fired up. But one good thing yeah, about yeah. this weekend, you know what it is? Well, there's no no ashes test on, so I can relax more. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, but, well, well, that's one thing I've heard around the coast a lot this week is, oh. is people talking about it. Yeah. In, yeah, in businesses and on the radar. Oh. It's well, put of, it this way, our captain, his field placings and, and that have a lot to be desired. Uh, I've never seen a captain be so defensive in my life. Yeah. Like and then like we had them on toast, toast. Yeah. Like we we got Stokes out early. They were six out. They needed so we needed four more wickets. They had eighty runs to get. Yeah. And he goes on the defence. He puts Fieldsman out in the boundary. Yeah. You go on the attack, surely. <laughs> like <laughs> and the bloody pommy batsmen are just say, oh, how good's this? Thanks, mate. Yep, I'll get a nice single down to. Fine yeah, leg. Yeah. Yep. If if they're all out in the boundary, <laughs> yeah, you just buddy whack it halfway into the boundary. Hey, they were just licking their lips. Oh, uh, how good's this? Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway. Jeez. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, not gonna talk anymore. I'm just gonna Yeah. And uh, we could be here for the next four hours and I'll have a coronary. Yeah, yeah, well yeah, just have another slap. The um Gold Coast Suns getting rid of their coach halfway through the bloody season. Well, they won on the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's stupid getting rid of coaches halfway through yeah. the season. Yeah. Yeah, who'd they beat last night? I think it was St. Kilda, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and um, they might have won last week. I'm not sure. Yeah. No, no I think they got defeated. No. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. So, so how did this? How did the, the Dolphins go against the Titans? Yeah, they won. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there was a lot. Of... Yeah, because they they had the Titans at better odds. Yeah. Well, there was I, a lot of controversy in that game. I should have put my money on the on, on the Dolphins. Well, I watched the end of it, and 
Yeah, it was the game went into extra uh, golden point, which I absolutely can't stand. Yeah. It's like one of the worst things that's ever been invented in the game. And uh, unfortunately, it's been in the game for around 20 years now. And it's just a, the most will toss a coin. Uh, and whoever picks gets yeah, is uh, the winner. Because that's what it is. The referee. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a clap for the ref for that uh, game. Because uh, he actually had the guts to award an, a penalty in Golden Point. Uh, so the Dolphins got a penalty right in front of their sticks after they... Missed a field goal attempt. Yeah. And, you know, they kicked the penalty and won. And normally the referees, they just, when it gets a golden point, because they just put the whistle in their pocket, yeah. basically. And the players are just so far offside. Yeah. You know, it's just a, it's ridiculous. It's, yeah. and, but this referee, he actually had the guts to award a penalty. Yeah. And this was, you know, yeah, against the Gold Coast on their, on their home stadium yeah yeah but you know he made the right decision because he had warned this guy a couple of times if, yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah he's a clap I forget his name um but a big clap for me is Alexander Vol- Volkanovsky <laughs> yep now you might not have heard of him but he's probably the Australia's biggest sporting name overseas uh. yeah so this is last weekend so he he um, picked up another world title. He's a current UFC featherweight world champion in uh, mixed mixed martial arts. Uh, yeah, and he's a huge name overseas. So I reckon he like he's one of the all-time greats already. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, very well. That's the topic of today: sportsmen who are underrated, and he's one of them. Because uh, there's so many. Um, Australian sportsmen who excel overseas that don't get the recognition they deserve it. Yeah. Where overseas, they're very well known. Yeah. You know? Like you talk about a lot of our top cyclists overseas and, yeah. um, you know, Phil Anderson back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did very well on the Tour de France every year. and Yeah, <coughs> yeah but Oscar Piastri, now, he's a young Aussie, 22 years of age. He came fourth in the British Grand Prix in his first year yeah. in Formula One. So that was a great effort. And golfer Cameron Smith won his second Live Golf Tournament and picked up trillions, probably, for winning that. And the England women's cricket team, they're giving it the Aussies at the moment. Jeez, they came... They've come back from uh, losing the test match because they, they have a different format. Yeah. Yeah, they play like a point system and that's how they determine the Ashes. So, yeah, with the men, it's just, you know, the test matches. Well, with women, it's a test match and then one day is and then T20, which is pretty ridiculous. But, you know, they should be playing more test matches instead of just playing the one. Yeah. And pinch me, I'm dreaming, Glenn. New South Wales won the third state of origin. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, after I dropped you off on Wednesday night, I turned the radio on. Oh, you know, I may as well just find out the score and drown my sorrows. But no, they were winning 24 points to 10. 
Yeah, yeah, I the stories on the right hand, yeah, yeah, people beeping their horns and celebrating. Oh. Well, he's basically yeah, celebrating yeah. you you won a match. That's it. Like, well, it's a kissing your sister win, really. Yeah, <laughs> kissing your sister. <laughs> I love that phrase. Yeah, well, yeah. they lost the series in the first 10 minutes of that first game in Adelaide and the last 10 minutes. Yeah. That's where they lost it. And, um, you know, yeah, every time they lose game one, that's it. The series is over, yeah. done and dusted. They're never going to win uh, win the series from there. So, yeah. You, you, you had some concerns about some Parramatta players. Yeah, well, they, they play the Titans tonight. Yeah. So, be interesting to see how they go. But, yeah, yeah, Mitch Moses had a good game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it a home game or away game? Yeah, home game. Yeah. yeah. Titans have got a good side, you know, great side. But yeah. they just can't play for 80 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh yeah, see how they go tonight. But now, if you've heard of this lady, I'll turn it up for all time. Yeah. Now, Marketa von von Trusova. <laughs> That's how you say it. Yeah. She's a Czech tennis player. Yeah. You know what she did overnight? She won Wimbledon. <laughs> Unseated. Wow. Yeah. But it just makes you think, what if, eh? If Ash Barty was still playing. Yeah, okay, so unseated and mm. she's won Wimbledon. Yeah. What does that make for her rankings? Oh, she'll go right up. Yeah. So what would she roughly go up to? Oh, probably top 10 at least, I'd yeah. say. So, yeah. from, so from not even being on the, on the ladder... Yeah, you go straight up to. Well, I think the first, the top thirty players are ranked. Yeah. yeah, so she's one from outside there. I remember Goran Ivanisevic. You know, he'd already been runner-up in the men's singles, a couple, oh, several times. But yeah. he was getting towards the end of his career, and this was in two thousand and one. You know, when he beat Pat Rafter in that epic match, and yeah, yeah he was unseated. Yeah. Mm. So it can happen. Yeah, but I'd never heard of her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you'll hear a lot more of it now. Well, this is a thing with some of these women's players. You know, they come out of the blue, win a, um, a Grand Slam tournament, and then never hear of them. There was that young Pommy player who yeah. won the US Open, and she was unseated. Yeah. No one had ever heard of her, basically. Yeah. She was only 18. Yeah. Yeah, pretty thing. Um, yeah, but she's done nothing ever since. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty much like their grand final, and then yeah, yeah. They, they, it's like winning lotto, winning lotto once. That's it. Yeah, or, or just buying one ticket and winning lotto. Well, you think of all the money they'd win, you know, yeah. from doing that. But I'll talk about some slaps. So FIFA, FIFA are a big slap for covering up so you know they've got the women's uh, soccer world cup yeah. coming up a football world cup yeah. in the next few weeks yeah so FIFA have made the decision to cover up the Aussie you know the the um, statues outside the grounds yeah. you know like up at Suncorp of Wally Lewis yeah. and yeah. Shane Warne down yeah. in Melbourne and Betty Cuthbert and yeah 
Yeah, they're covering them up. Yeah. yeah that's just ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, the names of um, the stadiums. Yeah. Yeah, so they're not allowed to call it a core stadium or... Um, oh, what's the other one? You know, Marvel Stadium and yeah. what they're called now. Yeah, it's yeah. got to go back to what they were before. Because... <laughs> Yeah, they don't acknowledge the sponsorship of, you know, because the stadiums now are named after their, their sponsor. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so like, like, what used to be, um, like, where, where the Gold Coast Suns used to be. Yeah. That, that was originally. It's Metricon now. Yeah. yeah. No, well, it's not Metricon, it's Heritage Bank. Oh, that's now. right. They changed but, it, didn't but they? But originally yeah. it was Carrara Stadium. Yeah. So yeah. they go back to that, yeah. Yeah, they're not playing a football match on the Gold Coast, no, but no, yeah, that's what they'd do. Yeah, yeah. Just using it for an example. Yeah, um, so Suncorp would go back to Wang Park, I guess. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, the Wallabies are a big slap. <laughs> they lost again overnight. Yeah. They got absolutely flogged by South Africa. Yeah. Last weekend. Yeah. And then last night. They couldn't hold on to beat Argentina, who beat them like right on uh, full time. Uh, so, yeah, they're just uh, going from bad to worse, you know. Uh, and the NRL players, oh, they've got this, they're on a media ban. Yeah, so they're fighting with the, the NRL at the moment. Uh, all over pay, I think, and conditions, and uh, oh, who bloody cares? And it's all about like what they they won't do any interviews. You know uh, how they do interviews after the game and half time, and uh, yeah, they're not doing any of that. Uh, and you know what? I couldn't care less. <laughs> but if they keep doing what they're doing, yeah. you know, they're going to get a lot of fans offside. I reckon. Well, yeah. the, well, the um, yeah. The, the free-to-air media mm. is a slowly dying thing. Yeah. Yeah, you well, know, I know myself, I very rarely watch it. You know, I mainly watch the streaming apps. Yeah. Because I'm sick of the, the same old stuff and, you know, of course, the news is just poison. Yeah. And made up. And, uh, yeah, they, a lot of it they make up for their own... Um, yeah. yeah, just to sell stories, basically, don't they? Yeah. And final slap is the the imbecile spectator at the Bulldogs Rabbitohs game last weekend. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> this idiot he smuggled a a, ta a, a um, laser, you know those laser lights yeah. into the stadium. Yeah. And when Canterbury's Matt Burton was kicking for goal, he was flushing it into his eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got one more slap. Yeah. Facebook. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's come up on your feed, but what, what happened there, buddy? Their censorship. Because you see all these girls, you know, mm. changing and, you know, getting a state of undress. And, but, but they've got, like, a, a curtain in front of them so they don't fully see it. Yeah. I go, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, and even some of the advertising bringing up yeah. you know, a bit of smutty stuff I go really what's going on here yeah I just find it a bit annoying Facebook to you it, yeah. it's just uh, 
it's good for connecting with some yeah. friends, you know, live overseas. Yeah, and but, yeah, but, but, but I, I get, you know, I find that I get more advertising and, mm. you know, suggested for you sites and accessing what a friend's posted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I get a lot of that. Like that. Yeah. And it's just, uh, the way they do it, it, it just attracts you into it, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, like you just want to stay on there. <laughs> yeah, because... Yeah, um, Waste valuable time. Elon Musk has set a limit on how many times you can view a post on Twitter. Oh, okay. He, he said, we've got to get back outside. Yeah. Yeah, put the phone down. That's and, it. And I thought, well, that, that, I reckon that's good. Mm. Yeah, which would probably cost him a bit in... in revenue raising for advertising or whatever mm. but I think that's good yeah yeah you get to I think it's look at 60 posts mm. and that's it well I guess we can't criticize it too much because we <laughs> use it for our Facebook posts for our yeah. podcast you know for that way yeah, but, yeah, but, but yeah. It, it's it's all yeah yeah we had a guy there a couple of weeks ago that we were talking to and he was mm. really bagging social media but then again, it's also, you know, done good. You know, it's brought people together. It's allowed to share information. Yeah. And that, yeah. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, last week we discussed some more well-known, well, we discussed well-known sportswomen who many considered to be underrated. So today we're going to talk about some well-known sportsmen who were underrated and who many don't believe they earn the recognition they deserved. So other superstars often overshadowed some. However, for others, there may be other circumstances for being the reason they did not get as much attention as they deserved. And also, like in our example last week with Irene Van Dyke and Netball, some have often achieved great feats, however, in a sport that does not get much recognition. So, Glenn, when you think of male sports people who were underrated, what comes to mind? Well, I'm going to go... Have it. I'm going to see if you can read my mind of who I'm thinking of. Is he, he was an Australian cricket player. Yeah. He wasn't the best of Nick. But I reckon he was... He was, he was a real character in the game. But I'll tell you what, when he got caught... When he, when it was time to bloody pull the, all the stops out, he, you know, he got things done, and that was Murphy's. Oh, yep. Yeah. 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 Even though he had a bit of put on him, when his team needed the job done, he got it done. Yeah, and he'd go all day, wouldn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was, didn't look very fit, but... Geez, he had a heart, heart as big as far laps. Yeah. Yeah, and he gave, he gave, he gave entertainment. But, mm. but yeah, when it came down to playing cricket, when his team needed him, he was there. Yeah, he always put in like 120%, didn't yeah. he? Mm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so when, when they, when they started to, you know, shuffle him to one side, I thought, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was the start of the game becoming sterile. Yeah, yeah losing their characters. 
Mm. Yeah. yeah. Like another one, he's sort of around that time. Uh, Greg Matthews, remember him? Uh, yeah, he was an. I didn't think about that. Yeah, but he's uh, he was an underrated player, uh, all rounder for the Australia uh, back, you know, in the eighties yeah. when they were really struggling. Uh, but yeah. he would excel, you know. Uh, He'd get wickets, and you know that tied test in India. Jeez, uh, he, yeah, gosh, he uh, it's Herculean what he did on that last day there yeah, in the heat. I was on the Zoom call yesterday with my mates. I went to the school with in Sydney because mm. it was a special school. And we all used to catch taxis or private cars hmm. to um to to school the school the Kemba. And um one of my mates he actually used to live in Sutherland Show as well. Yeah. But he he caught a different car. Oh, okay. And he remembers that the guy that drove that car his name is Matthews. Yeah? <laughs> Wonder if he looked like him. Uh, yeah. Well, like, the Matthews moustache would come, but all of a sudden became popular, didn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, with him doing, doing, doing his stretching and exercise. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But no, you see him still a lot today, you know, on TV and... Yeah. Mm. No, yeah. Anyone else come to mind? Oh, I can't think of the moment. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I think about is, um, you know, thinking of the great Chicago Bulls back in the nineties. You know, when they were winning all those those championships, and yeah, it was all about a lot of the time. It seemed to all be about Michael Jordan, but no, yeah. some of his teammates like uh, Scotty Pippen and. Dennis Rodman and our own Luke Longley, former Where Are They Now? Yeah, yeah and even that episode on Australian Story was oh, about two years ago uh-huh. where, you know, they were interviewing Michael Jordan and uh-huh. some of his former teammates and uh-huh. and it was all about how underrated he was, how you know, because he, he didn't get the recognition he deserved to uh-huh. have been, um, you know, part of their success. Uh-huh. And in that documentary that famous documentary the last dance yeah he was pretty much the only player that wasn't interviewed Luke yeah. Longley and that was yeah. that was all due with you know because he was living way out yeah. in the outback in western Australia yeah. and it was the cost of you know being flying someone out there to interview him yeah. and all this sort of stuff they were saying yeah, yeah. but no you know he had, he just didn't get the the acknowledgement that he deserved, and even Michael Jordan said that. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the main ones that comes to my mind is former Aussie cricketer Andy Bickle. Now, he was a uh, very useful fast bowler back in the sort of late 90s, 2000s for Australia. Yeah, Queenslander, comes from Laidley. Real team man. Yeah, Yeah, because... This is a time, you know, when the Aussie team was dom- you know, dominant. They had that dominance error and yeah. you, know, you had like players who couldn't make the test team. Yeah. Like uh, Jamie Siddons and um, who else was there? Dean Hills and Martin Love. You know, if they went and played for any other country, they could have they would have played 
you know, Brad Hodge is another one. You know, uh, probably would have racked up 60, 80 test matches. Uh, so it was so hard to get into the Aussie team. And Andy Bickle, he would, he would probably, it was probably Australia's greatest ever 12th man. Because uh, <laughs> he'd always be 12th man, uh, but it didn't bother him, you know, because he was such a team man. And he was always there, you know, helping the team out. And But when he was, um, when he would be called into the Australian side, oh man, he would just try his guts out. Yeah. Wasn't a talented player, but one thing that really stands out is that 2003 World Cup where he was just outstanding. Yeah. And if it wasn't for him, they probably wouldn't have won that tournament because there were games where, you know, Australia was really, you know, in, in some trouble. Yeah. And this was, you know, when Warney was sent home when he got caught for using that diuretic yeah. on the eve of their first game. And, yeah. you know, they were losing, you know, I think Jason Gillespie went home injured. Yeah, but he just stepped up about 10 gears. Yeah. And it wasn't just with his bowling, it was with his lower order batting too. Like yeah. he'd come in, you know, and um, yeah, he played some really useful innings, yeah. you know, that helped get Australia home and, and in that one-day game when they were playing England, he got like seven for 20 or something and just ripped them apart. Yeah. yeah it was one of the greatest one-day bowling efforts of all time. But, uh, yeah, and NRL players, Hazamel Masri and Alex Johnson today, you know, he plays on the wing for South Sydney. Like, he's played over about 300 games. He's a try-scoring machine. Yeah. Um, but he's, ne he's never played a representative game, never yeah. been called into the New South Wales team. And um, But there was one guy, this is back in the 90s and sort of um, early to mid-2000s. Yeah. <coughs> now, this guy never received the recognition he deserved. His name was Sean Timmons. Now, he played for uh, Illawarra, and then, you know, when they merged with St. George... You know, he played for St. George Illawarra. And, yeah, he, he was a solid club player. But he'd always, you know, he, he got picked a lot for, to play play for New South Wales in origin. Yeah. And whenever he played for New South Wales in origin, like, he, he was like a Queenslander. You know how they put on the maroon jersey and they grow another arm and leg? Yeah. yeah he would do that when he put a blue jumper on. Yeah. And, you know, he, his career was interrupted a lot by injury. But, oh, boy, geez, he used to play well in yeah. State of Origin. And remember he, there was one game, I think it was like 2004, I think, and the game went into extra time and he booted this field goal yeah. from about halfway and New South Wales won. Yeah. Uh, but there was another guy, he never played Origin, this guy. He, he played oh, probably over 300 games for Canberra, Alan Tung. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he never got the recognition he deserved. And, yeah, Parramatta forward pack in the 80s, you know, they had that gun back line and yeah. score tries galore and win premierships. But, yeah. you know, they just had a, a forward pack. They weren't big in size, but they'd just get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Luke Burt and Nathan Hindmarsh and Nathan Kalis, you know, yeah, yeah. did very well. 
for, for the Eels, but never won a premiership, unfortunately. Yeah, all of them played well over 300 games. And in tennis, Andy Murray and Stan Wawrinka. So when you think of tennis in recent years, you think of, um, you know, the big three, oh, Djokovic and um, he's in the final tonight against, that'll be a cracker of a match. Not that I've been really following Wimbledon this year, but yeah, he's playing um, oh, this new young gun from Spain. Um, that'll be a oh, ripper of a match. Yeah, but you know, Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, and uh, yeah, yeah. But you you also got to think too that there were some other players who won Grand Slams during their the dominance of those three. And Andy Murray, I think he won about three or four Grand Slams. And yeah, I wonder how many people actually know that Stan Wawrinka, the um, Swiss player, another Swiss player, yeah, like Roger Federer, he won three Grand Slam tournaments and David Graham he's a Aussie golfer from the 70s and 80s and yeah he did very well he won like a uh, couple of uh, majors won the US PGA and the US Open yeah, did very well but you know yeah, it was like Greg Norman got all the all the recognition you know yeah. and Greg Norman never won a major in America David Graham did. He won two. Yeah. Anyway, we'll go get Miss Olivia because. It's quiz time. to school last week. Oh, you've already back? Yeah. Oh, okay. I have not much homework though, which is good. Uh, I'm not to do with myself. <laughs> the art gallery was good, wasn't it? Oh, it was. Yeah. We saw um, the Archibald Prize because they're having like a 100 year anniversary mm. at Hotta. Hotta. That's right. Hotta. Hotta. Anyways. So, so what was your favourite piece? There was this one. Um, it was of... It was artists, like, um, painting artists. Because a lot of them, were, I think they have to be self-portraits. Uh, and so one, one that I really liked, it's on, like, this matte black background. Uh, and it's... Um, it's Barry Field. That sounds right. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's amazing. And yeah, I took photos of like all the ones I liked, but that was just one that really stood out. Uh, so I did a bit dabbled in painting. Have you tried painting? <laughs> when I was little. When you were little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was like my um. One of my sisters, they got into painting when they were younger. Yeah. They got into painting their bedroom with all these paints. Did they make the, a mask? The, the walls and all that. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen the one of uh, Molly Meldrum. Yeah. 
Mm. Oh, yeah. Dad loved that one. Mm. It looked real. Yeah, it was like someone had taken a photo of it. Well, um, that, that Ando. Ando. Both his fans. Mm. Have you ever seen that little on? Oh, it's a great show. ABC. Hmm. I don't think I have. No, what, 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 um, Ando, he, he, he was, he's he, he, a comedian. He was a refugee. Yeah. And he came in and he's a really good, really good artist. And he mm-hmm. gets people in and he interviews them. He talks to them while he's painting. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, I like it sort of, the, the, yeah, the, the paintings are probably nearly the size of this wall here. Yeah. <laughs> massive. Hmm. But just, but just, everyone just says that, yeah, they capture that per, person perfectly. Yeah, he's done some sportsman. Like he did interviewed Michael Clark one day and did yeah, a painting yeah, of him. Yeah, and, yeah. And I, I, I know that with um, he did uh, Molly Meldrum. Oh yeah. And, and he brought Molly to tears. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Molly choked up and. Mm. Uh, yeah, he was flabbergasted. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. How well uh, the painting was. Well, Smolly's yeah. had it hard in recent years, hasn't he? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, <laughs> Sorry, we got a bit sidetracked. Now it's quiz time. <laughs> okay. Question number one. Formula, form, formula, former Formula One racing driver. Rubens Barrichello yep. won 18 races during his Formula One career. How many times did he finish runner-up in the form in the Formula One Drivers' Championship? Is it A, four times, B, twice, or th- C, once? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do a countdown. Ten, nine, eight, <laughs> seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. I've got my mouth full of protein balls, so I can't <laughs> sing anything. <laughs> Which is actually good. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is B, twice. Twice. Mm-hmm. Question number two. A, a, in, in which year is four? Fuck it if I know. No, come on, come on. You're meant to be the sports guy. <laughs> I'm not a Formula One man. Um, no, but surely you should have known what you're oh, Actually, yeah, I do re- remember seeing it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like 2004 or something. I'll Google it. Yeah. I'll be back. Okay. On to the next question while he's occupied. In the meantime, question number two. Joe Rococo played for the New Zealand All Blacks between 2003 to 2010. How many tries did he score in that in that time for his country? Is it A, 46, B, 35, or 30, or C, 30? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5... Four, three, two, one, and the answer is... A, 46, but you've got something else. Like, we put our answers in bold. Oh, yeah. Script. 46, yeah. Yeah, 46. It is second on the all-time All All Blacks list. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Question number three. 
German football star Thomas Muller holds the record for the most Bundes- Bundesliga. <laughs> Bundesliga. I've never heard that word ever before. Assists well, yeah, with 152 and played more than 600 games for which German club? Is it A, Bayern Munich, B, Bor- Borussia Dortmund, yep. or C, Union Berlin? Ten, nine, nine eight, <laughs> seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Man. The answer is A. Bayern Munich. Munich? Yep, Bayern Munich. Munich. Yep. There we go. Now, Ruben Sparicillo. He won the World Championship in 2014 and just last year. Oh, hang on. That's the Stock Car Pro Series. <laughs> <laughs> Nah. Oh, hang on. No, he didn't win a world championship. <laughs> Did I say he won one? Oh, uh, no, he's runner-up. Runner-up. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, he didn't win one. Okay. Give yourself an uppercut, Glenn. No, 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 <laughs> oh, the years he was runner-up. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I was right. I was right. 2004. Wow. Yeah. But didn't he win it twice? Yeah, in 2002. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've got one of them right. <laughs> uh, that's good enough. I knew it was around that time. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not in the past. 50% is not a past. Uh, turn it up. Yeah. 100% is a past here, mate. Uh, yeah, okay. Right, carry yeah. on, Miss Libby. No, Libby's got to giggle off. Okay. Now, next one's not a multiple guess. No, it's not. I know the answer to the next one. Well, yeah, of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> well, even if I didn't research it, I knew the answer. Uh. Yep. <laughs> no, I know. That, that, that's the answer. Yeah. All right. Question number four. American golfer Zach Johnson has had 12 victories on the PGA Tour and has won two majors. What are the two major titles he has won in his career? Ten, nine, nine eight, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> the answer is 2007 Masters and the 2015 Open Championship. Yep. Uh, I think this is our last question. Question number nah, five. It's two more to go. Uh, big quiz. Multiple choice. Okay. Both of them, I think. Okay. Yeah. Question number five. Who was the last British footballer to win the prestigious Ballon d'Or Ballon d'Or award? It's the, the world's, world's best, best player. player. Yep. Ten. It... <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry. Okay, okay, okay. Is it A, David Beckham, B, Harry Kane, or C, Michael Owen? Ten, nine, nine eight, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> the answer is C, Michael Owen in 2001. Hmm. Interesting. Right, finish off with a Formula One question. Yeah. Question number six. 
It's last question, I think. Sleepy and I, the answer to this, Glenn. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> back. Okay. And if I get it right, you'll have a near 10 for sure. You, you used to have a motorsport um, segment. Remember? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, you did. Where did that go? Oh, that vanished when um, Paul's 50 years. We 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 did all the 50 years <laughs> finished. <day. laughs> oh. But it might come back. You never know. Well, I got my stuff back. <laughs> <laughs> We're missing like all of the equipment that does the music and everything. Yeah. So that's why we're like counting down instead. It's on its way. You'll be back. Don't you worry about <laughs> that. Okay. Question number six. Former Formula One driver Nico Rosberg is the only Mercedes driver to beat the great Lewis Hamilton. What year did Rosberg win his sole Formula One world championship? Is it A, 2012, B, 2016, or C, 2018. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and... Was it 2016? Uh, yeah. Yep. Answer is B, 2016. Uh, well done. Come on, Danny, go. Come on, Danny, go. That was definitely him doing push ups. (laughs) All right. We're doing the Who Am I? It's Who Am I time. Okay. I know who I am. You know who you are. <laughs> Getting philosophical. So. Do we really know who we are? Okay. <laughs> oh, so we're sticking on the theme of motorsport. All right. Yeah. Okay. Who am I? I was born into Woomba, Queensland in 1981, and I am an Australian motorsports driver. My father was an open wheel racer and I started my career in Queensland driving a Datsun 1200. Yep. When I was young... No, the very first car I drove was a Datsun 200B. (laughs) And it was a piece of junk. (laughs) Yeah. He's been driving, like, I remember... I remember, like, you just randomly said to me, I've been driving for 30 years one day. Yeah, I got my licence 1st of December, 1988. Wow. That's a long so, time. Longer now. Glenn's probably been driving longer. How long have you been driving? Well, the, um, legally or... or, or legally? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> le- le- legally, but I'm nearly... Well, I'll give me age away if I say. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, I can't think of it. Yeah, 30. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I forgot to give way. <laughs> Went straight for the intersection. 
Whoops. My part of placement. <laughs> on you, but he just took his etiquette guy. <laughs> okay, continuing on. When I was young, I raced go-karts and watched Formula One races on television, fixating on the cockpit camera. After being in England for three years and trying to gain a Formula One berth, I then made the move in 2005 to the United States and tried my luck with Indy cars. I currently compete in the Indy car series, which is the highest class of open wheel racing in North America. Diving, driving, <laughs> diving, <laughs> driving. That's what we're having to drive off the cliff. Diving. Team Penske. I have won. Penske. Yeah. I have won the IndyCar Championship twice in 2014 and 2022. And I also won the prestigious Indianapolis 500 in 2018. According to Wikipedia, I am one of the most successful IndyCar drivers of all time, winning 41 races. The fifth the fifth most on all on the all-time list and first of all time in the most pole positions with other aussie motorsport drivers such as mark weber and ryan briscoe my efforts and success overseas are sadly underappreciated in my homeland my name is which will be revealed at the end of the episode Mm. now i'll tell you a little story okay um, when the New South Wales police started to get their first c- computer system, did they use it just for recording criminals and all that? Mm. Yeah. No, they actually had jokes on it. And, and we had a neighbour that was a policeman, and he printed off these 500 jokes <laughs> that came off the New South, the New South Wales police police computer. And I always remember this one, that... Um, there was an Irishman in the Hardiff Roto 100, which is 100 laps. Mm. He, he, he did 100 pit stops. Two for fuel, the other 98 for directions. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> that was an Irish joke at the time. <laughs> eh. You reckon they'll ever bring the Indy cars back to the well, they, Gold well, Coast here? Well, they've tried to. Yeah. Because I think that India, they've actually lost a couple of um, cities. Mm. And they wanted to bring it back, but the the Queensland government said, yeah, we can't be closing down the mm. um, Gold Coast Highway twice a year. Yeah. Because you know, I think it's sort of a good six weeks to set it up. They, they used to race when um, the V8s, like, they'd yeah. be racing at the same time, weren't they? On the same no, weekend? No, no the, Indy, the Indy came first. Oh, that's right. And, yeah, and, it did too. And, and, yeah. and then when the Indy left... That's right. It was... Yeah, the V8s yeah, took over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But now the Indy wants to come back. Mm. But I reckon, well... Yeah, but setting it up twice a year... Nah, they can't do it. Nah. Nah. No, they'll have to go to another city and do it. Yeah. Take it back to Adelaide, where the Formula One was at first. Yeah, and, yeah. and should still be. Mm. Yeah. Adelaide deserves it, I reckon. It, yeah, because Victoria and Melbourne, it's a big sporting state. Mm. 
Sådan det tøj kan ikke vide det her. Ja. Sådan det ikke så det. Thanks, Livy. Right, so I'm going to talk about some other underrated male male sportsmen now. So Gene Saracen. So he's only one of five golfers to win each of the four majors at least once. And he won 48 professional tournaments, seven major championships. So this is in the 1920s and 30s. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been that easy back in those days, you know, with all the, the travelling around. You could only really get around by boat in those days. Yeah. Yeah. wonder how they practised on, on that boat for you. <laughs> Maybe they had... <laughs> Just yeah. smashing it into a net. Yeah. 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 Now, Jin Sun Park. Now, he's a former South Korean soccer player. He played as a midfielder. And he's one of the most successful Asian players in football history. Now, he's won 19 trophies throughout his career. Now, he's the first Asian player to have been part of a winning side in the UEFA Champions League. The first to play in a UEFA Champions League final as well. And the great Manchester United coach, Sir Alex Ferguson, described Park as Manchester United's most underrated player. And he was known for his tremendous fitness, discipline, work ethic. And he received the nickname Free Lungs Park <laughs> after his great endurance levels. That's a great nickname, isn't it? Free Lungs Park. Now, he spoke about this bloke in one episode because he got up to a fair bit of mischief at the Rio Olympics in 2016. But he's, he's a very under, underrated swimmer. Now, Ryan Lochte. Now, he, the American swimmer, now he's won 12 Olympic medals over four Olympic Games. And he's the second most decorated swimmer in Olympic history when measured in total number of medals behind Michael Phelps. Now, he's 29 World Championship medals he's picked up. And he's, he's specialised in a number of disciplines, which wouldn't have, you know, it takes a lot of... <laughs> Yeah, massive achievement that. Like, you know, this is in freestyle, butterfly, backstroke, and then all the relays as well. Yeah. Now, I'm going to talk about a couple of British cyclists now. Now, this guy's called Chris Froome. Now, he's a Kenyan, you know, because he's a British, but he was born in Kenya. So he's a Kenyan-British cyclist, and he's won the Tour de France four times, which is on at the moment. Yeah, Aussie Jai Hindley's coming third. Yeah. Now, countryman Brad Wiggins won the race in 2012, and he received a knighthood. However, despite Froome winning the race four times, he hasn't received one, which is a bit, yeah, he's a bit ripped off there. Now, he's won seven Grand Tours and remains the most successful general classification rider still competing today. Now, what, what that is in road cycling, it's the most important category because what it does, it tracks the overall times for the riders yeah. in these multi-stage races. So, like, each stage has a winner, you know, and then, however, yeah, they decide the winner by the overall winner in the general classification. 
So that's the one with the faster added up times, you know, across all the different stages. So could you could you only win one one part of it? Or yeah, so you, you might just win one come first because they, they race for about, you know, 20 odd days. Uh, so you might come first and, you know, yeah, like win one stage, yeah. but then still go on and win the uh, Tour de France because oh, yeah. it's added up over where you where you come each day. Yeah. yeah. So I think that year Cadell Evans won it in 2011. I don't know if, if he ever actually won a stage. Yeah. yeah. It was just that his times were so good. Oh, yeah. yeah. But Mark Cavendish, he's a British cyclist and regarded by some as one of the greatest sprinters in cycling history. Now, he's won 34 Tour de France stage victories. Yeah, but in the Tour de France, they have, um, oh, you know, the the green, the um, yeah, yellow jersey is the most important one, obviously. But there, yeah, they have other awards for different, you know, like like the fastest one. They have like a green jersey and yeah. yeah. So Mark Cavendish, he would have won a lot of them, I'd say. Now this guy, I've never heard of him, but boy, just amazing what this bloke's achieved. Now his name is Joe Kalzagi. <laughs> I think that's how you say it. Yeah, Kalzagi. Now he's he's a former Welsh boxer, right? And he's held world titles in two weight classes across his career. Now, he's the longest reigning super middleweight world champion in boxing, boxing history. And he went undefeated throughout his whole career. So this is from 1993 to 2008. Now, he won all 46 of his fights. However, you know, someone like Floyd Mayweather... Now, he did the same. However, he seems to have got all the recognition. Yeah. Where poor old Joe has been left in the dark. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he's probably a much better role model than Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. Because yeah. Floyd Mayweather, he gets up to a bit of mischief, I think. Yeah. From what I've heard. Now, when he retired, he was the longest continual... So, he, he had the longest continual period as world champion of any boxer in the history at that time. Yeah. yeah. Incredible achievement. Right, so we'll move on to our Where Are They Now? This week, we're going to talk about a sport that we, yeah, very, very underrated sport, especially in this country, considering, you know, Australia's history with it. And, hockey one, hockey two. Yeah. But so the thing is, like we call it hockey here, you know, but it's actually called field hockey. Yeah. Because in America and a lot of the, North, you know, the um, European countries and... Yeah, North America especially. Yeah. Uh, their, their hockey is like the only hockey just about. Uh, yeah. So... What, what, yeah, but hockey would be a bit more known in Australia than... Croquet, oh, yeah. Than croquet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, well, it's... 
Like, it's well participated. It's a well participated sport. But, you know, like, it just doesn't... Like, when it gets to those higher levels, it just doesn't get the recognition it deserves. Like, it seems to only get recognised every four years at the Olympics, basically. And, you know, in, in 2004, when Australia finally broke that hoodoo and won its first Olympic gold medal in men's hockey, because they'd been runner-up so many bloody times, yeah. you know, which I'll go into. Yeah, they missed a golden opportunity, you know, to, yeah, they let that slip by. That, that was a chance where the sport could have really gained a lot of um, recognition. Yeah, but no, it's just swept under the carpet, unfortunately. Anyway, what what do you know about... Hockey, you know, you mentioned the hockey one, hockey two, hockey three. <laughs> I know, yeah. Well, I played it as a kid and it brings back a lot of fond memories for me because I played from a local town there in Lura yeah. and played at Lura Oval across the road. Yeah. And so is it a summer sport or winter? I was, well, it's a bit of both really, but yeah, yeah I used to play it in winter. Yeah, and the reason I played it, you know, my mum, you know, because she thought I'd be really good for my cricket. Uh, yeah, because you think of, um, you know, very probably Australia's most famous hockey player, um, or one of them, yeah, Rick Charlesworth. Uh, he had a successful, you know, he played a lot of uh, Sheffield Shield cricket for uh, Western Australia. Very uh, accomplished cricketer. But he's, you know, one of our greatest hockey players of all time and not just um, when he you know during his career when he retired as well like he coached a lot of the the women's teams to Olympic gold and yeah and you know he went on to be a politician yeah we spoke about him in one of our episodes I think it was that episode where sports people have played more than one sport yeah he's played about well yeah cricket and hockey the ones that, yeah, yeah, but I think, yeah, he played another sport too, but, oh, yeah, he was very, he, he played for Western Australia, you know, with Dennis Lilly and Rod Marsh and yeah. around that, you know, in the 70s, eh? Yeah. But, no, we won the we won the grand final in an upset. Normally, every, when I was a, growing up, just about every grand final I was in, <laughs> we lost. Even my yeah. favourite, yeah. you know, if it was cricket, soccer, yeah. But that year in hockey, we caused a big upset. Oh, man, we was just over the moon. Yeah. That was against uh, Blacksland. Yeah, and they had a gun side, you know. Yeah. But I've still got the trophy there. Yep. Now, yeah, so it's played by two teams of 11 players. Now, matches are played on grass. Um, but, oh, boy. It's a dodgy game to play on grass because the ball's bouncing here, there, and everywhere. So a lot of the games now are played on, uh, you know, like artificial synthetic fields. And when they put those sprinklers on those fields, oh, my life. (laughs) Huge sprinklers. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But, yeah, we've got the Labrador, like the Gold Coast Hockey Centre here few minutes drive from here here in labrador and yeah when the commonwealth games were on that's where they had the hockey set up yeah, you know they, they, they yeah 
Mm. More field. Yeah, it's a really good setup out there. Oh, they've got a great setup. Yeah. Yeah, but when the Commonwealth Games are on, they put in all the extra grandstands yeah. and. Yeah, and just about a lot of the times when I'm driving past there, you know, you always see games going on, yeah. and yeah, but yeah, yeah, as a child, yeah, I won that competition. That was way back in 1983, so that's 40 years ago. Yeah. Yep, but I also coached some school teams when I was a PE teacher, and yeah, and watched it at the Sydney Olympics. I went to several days of the hockey. Yeah, yeah when the Sydney Olympics were on, and. Um, yeah, when the Commonwealth Games were on, Libby and I went and watched it one day. Yeah, it's played over 60 minutes with four quarters. And it's played around the world. However, countries that are strong, uh, Germany, Belgium, Spain, Australia, especially India and Pakistan, it's up there with cricket. Now, some people say it's, it's their national sport. Um, but the rivalry, you know, there's a big rivalry rivalry between... India and Pakistan in yeah. cricket. Oh, yeah, it's like that in hockey too. Yeah. yeah. And the Netherlands, very huge sport there. Argentina, Great Britain. Yeah, and Australia's men's team, the Kookaburras. Yeah, yeah they're often known as the bridesmaids. They were for so many years. They, they finish without gold despite, you know, often being the, the favourites and winning all these World Cups and World Championships. But when it came to the Olympics, I just couldn't get the job done, you know. Um, yeah, but yeah, when India and Pakistan play each other, there's a lot of red cards given out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but as, as I said, you know, it's one of these sports that just seems to get only recognised every four years. You know, if Australia wins a World Cup or a, a World Championship... Hardly gets a mention yeah. you know, in the news. Is that, there's no real media coverage of those events. Very little. Uh, yeah. But they have these hockey leagues overseas. So like the one in uh, the Netherlands is probably the biggest. Yeah. Um, but this is the problem in Australia. You know, it's underrated sport hockey because of all the, the you know, what huge number of sports we play. Yeah. especially cricket, AFL and rugby league. You know, rugby union as well, but that's dying. You know, but those sports just seem to take up all the, the media attention. You reckon that's a good or a bad thing? Well, the amount, the amount of sports dying off. Well, just that, um, yeah, yeah, just that there's, you know, we've, we've got too many sports going on here. That, and well, then what, what, what happens in the Olympics? Yeah. If, if we lose too many, mm. then you know, I think there's sort of like the next Olympic. There's going to be about 450 athletes yep. from Australia going over. I think it's going to be one of the largest or the largest mm. contingent of players. So if we, if we lose a lot of sports, yeah, what happens in the Olympics? Mm, that's right. Commonwealth yeah. Yeah, and that's the way I see it. I see it too. Um, but one thing they need to do, especially with hockey, is give them better pay. Yeah. You know, not fork out all this money to the AFL and yeah. rugby league. You know, they're full as a gook. Of, well, that's it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 And they still apply for 
estate in Commonwealth Grants. Mm. They're always going to be loaded. And, yeah, they've got lots of money. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you got swimmers and... Um, well, swimmers are getting better paid now, but you know, so these hockey players, like, they've got to work jobs. Yeah. Yeah, and the Australian men's team, they earn around 30000 to 35000 a year. And for the females, it's only around 20000 Yeah. Now, that's mainly due to their lower ranking in the world. You know, yeah. the men are probably around... Well, they'd be at least in the top three. Yeah. Um, but the women are... Yeah, they, they don't do us well now. Like, we had the best women's team um, oh, for, like, 10 years. Uh, yeah, but they, they didn't get the rec recognition they deserved. And, uh, um, yeah, but, you know, they're, they're ranked about six in the world now. So, uh, yeah, they don't, get the, they don't get as much funding. But I was just reading today, yeah, in, the, in uh, World Cups now, in cricket, yeah, men and men's pay and women's pay is going to be equal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now the stick has two sides. Now one side is round and the other is flat. However, yeah, you're only allowed to use the flat side to hit the ball, and the goalkeeper is the only one player allowed to touch the ball with any part of their body. And yeah, it's one of those sports that's popular with males and females. You know? Yeah, and. Yeah, the Aussie women's team, the Hockey Roos, they had remarkable success, winning gold in 1988 at the Olympics, 1996 and the 2000 Olympics. But, yeah, it's very... Um, what I find exciting when I watch it, you know, the penalty corners. Yeah. yeah, and the long corners and the fast play, and it's just such a skillful game, you know. Mm. Um, and there's so many tactics involved, you know, especially in those penalty corners. Um, but you can only score inside the shooting circle. <laughs> I remember when I started playing hockey. <laughs> yeah, I was about... I smacked this ball and I was about, oh, on the halfway line and it went into the goal and I'm jumping up and down, you beauty! <laughs> but no, no, that's not how it works. You, you can only score inside the circle, the shooting circle. Yeah, so I learnt that lesson. Anyway, our where are they now for today? His name is Jamie Dwyer, and he's a very, very underrated Aussie sportsman. Now, he was born in Rockhampton in Queensland in 1979. Have you been to Rockhampton before? I've passed on the bus. Yeah. Really... No, I've never been there. Libby's been there yeah. several times. Yeah. yeah. Well, she's got um, relatives there. Yeah, yeah, she goes there at least once a year. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, they get the train up, yeah. the tilt train, which I want to do one day. Yeah. It's on my bucket list. Oh, yeah. You ever been on the tilt train? No. Yeah. Now Jamie Dwyer is an Australian field hockey player, and he's regarded by many as one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Now he made his debut for his country as a junior player in 1995 and for the senior side in 2001. Now, Dwyer has played over 350 matches for Australia and represented his country at four Olympic Games. So that were the 2004 Olympics, 2008, 2012 and the 2016 Olympics. Now, he's won three gold medals at the Commonwealth Games in 
2006, uh, 2010. I think he, he picked one up in 2014 as well, I think, from memory. Now, Dwyer excelled on the world stage during his illustrious 17-year career. Now, he won two World Cups with the Aussie team and six Champions Trophies. Now, as a child, he excelled in cricket, um, but his mum and dad played hockey. So it was all in the family, and Dwyer began playing the sport at around three years of age. So he was basically born with a stick in his hand. Hockey's <laughs> now, he grew up in Rockhampton and would spend Saturdays around the hockey fields from around 8am in the morning to 7pm at night. And Dwyer loved that. You know, he just loved that it was a family sport with you know, around 50% male, 50% female. And he dreamed from an early age of representing Australia at the Olympics and knew if he wanted to make it, he had to really commit and get out of his comfort zone. So playing in Rockhampton, he was the best player in the side. However, when he moved to Brisbane to play, he had to really step up and put in the hard yards. So, yeah, he really struggled, um, you know, with moving, you know, from the like a big country town to the city. <laughs> it, was a, it was a shock to his system. Yeah. But no, he, he knew that he had to really work hard on his diet, his fitness, his skill. But he's always been a very competitive person, so that was never an issue. And Dwyer drove himself better, to get better every day. And he, yeah, so he, the only way he could progress in the sport was by moving to Brisbane. And yeah, and he just didn't like it, but, you know, because he missed his family, his friends, and he had his girlfriend back in Rockhampton still, and... Yeah, and he lived with his uncle in Brisbane for a few years. And then he was invited to the Institute of Sport in Perth, and he, where he only earned like $125 a week and worked at cash converters. Now, his wake-up call was being dropped from the Institute of Sport, and then he realised he had to prove them wrong and get fitter, faster, and make the most of the opportunity. Yeah, and... When he was interviewed on the Howie Games, like Mark Howard was saying, like 98% of the sports people he interviews on his podcast have been told at one time they're not good enough. <laughs> like, you know, like and these are some of the great, like great sportsmen, like Justin Langer, you know, golfer Cameron Smith, yeah. even Michael Jordan. I think he was told he wasn't good enough. Yeah. yeah. You know, and yeah. I think even, you know, Warney, they said, no, yeah, he, won't, he won't make it. Some of them, you know, had written him off. But it was a real sliding doors moment for Dwyer. Now, he could have gone back home to Queensland. However, he decided to stay in Perth and focus on his hockey. Now, Dwyer had a phenomenal scoring rate, scoring goals in two-thirds of his 365 international matches he played. Now, he went on to receive the sport's highest honour, being named the International Hockey Federation World Player of the Year five times between the years 2004 to 2011. Now, he played as a midfielder or a striker, so he did, had to do a lot of running. And, yeah, in 1995, he played in the Australian under-18 and under-21 sides and played for the junior national team in 1996, 97, 98. And he began playing club hockey in 1998 for the Easts Club in the Brisbane competition. 
And a year later, he had a scholarship with and played for the Australian Institute of Sport team. Now, after excelling and making his way through the national junior squads, Dwyer made his international senior debut in the 2001 Oceania Cup and later that year played in the Champions Trophy in the Netherlands where Australia finished runners-up. Yeah, like the Netherlands always seem to be Australia's bogey side. You know, they just, yeah, yeah. seem to always have it over them, you know, when it got to the crunch. Yeah. yeah. Now, in 2002, Dwyer was named Young Player of the Year by the International Hockey Federation and was part of the Australian team that was picked up silver at the World Cup and he won a gold medal at the Manchester Commonwealth Games that year. Now, he was beginning to cement his place in the national side and was proving to be a danger to the opposition and scoring 20 goals from 10 tournaments. Now, Dwyer scored a hat-trick of goals in two of the matches at the Commonwealth Games. Now, one being in the gold medal match against New Zealand. And in 2003, at the Champions Trophy, Dwyer tore his anterior cruciate ligament in his left knee which required a long recovery and rehabilitation. So that would have been a tough time for him. Yeah, so he's in the gym building strength and running on the beach in the soft sand. And he believes, you know, he would have made the Aussie team earlier if he started doing weights around 16 to 17 years of age. Yeah. But you don't want to do weights any earlier than that because, um, you know... Yeah, like a teenager's growth plates haven't developed. Yeah. So that's sort of the age, yeah, the start of doing weights. Now, he left Perth once he cemented his place in the Aussie team and moved to Sydney. And he worked on the Sydney foreshort there for a while. And he loved it, you know, because he'd walk around and, you know, get to tell all the tourists about all where all the sites were and get paid for it. You know, that'd be a great job. And, yeah, so he went to the 2004 Olympi- uh, Athens Olympics and he was still recovering from his knee injury. So he showed his class, though, in the Kookaburra's first match against trans-Tasman rivals New Zealand. He scored a hat-trick of goals against them. Now, despite being considered a powerhouse in field hockey for decades, Olympic gold always seemed to evade the Aussies. And they'd gained a reputation by many as being chokers, especially at the Olympic Games. Yeah, so one that really stands out, I can't remember it at the time, but I've you know, I heard I've heard about it. You know, people have spoken to me about it over the years. And you know, the nineteen seventy six Olympics in Montreal, it was Australia's worst ever Olympics. Like they didn't win a single gold medal. You know, they hardly won any silver or bronze. It was just you know, disgraceful performance because they'd just come from the 50s, 60s Munich where we just picked up a bag full of medals yeah. and then all of a sudden it got to Montreal and then they're up against all these drug cheats. Yeah. And But right at the end there, you know, Australia men's hockey team was by far the best in the world and, yeah, they reached the final and they just had to beat New Zealand yeah. and New Zealand beat them. <laughs> so like we you know we yeah we were like a lay down was there to win it and we got beat yeah 
And that's sort of where the reputation really started, you know, yeah. of the Aussie men's hockey team being chokers. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the Kookaburras, yeah, they'd lost, going into those Athens Olympics, they'd lost three previous Olympic finals and it made it to eight of the nine appearances since hockey was added to the Olympics in 1964. Now, they'd picked up three silver and three bronze medals. They went into the 2004 games, yeah, with high hopes, you know, but they weren't doing well during the tournament. You know, they were just sort of winning games like they weren't, yeah, and even their coach, like he came out and called them arrogant and the players were furious about that, you know, him saying that. And, yeah, but they managed to put it all behind them. And what are all those dogs doing, mate? <laughs> We've got a whole heap of dogs outside howling. What's going on? They enjoying the show too much, I think. <laughs> We're going to have an episode oh, in the future about um, animal sports. Yeah, animal sports. Yeah, the dogs will be singing then. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, but no, they just sort of, you know, yeah, crawled their way into the semi-finals, basically. And, yeah, that, yeah, so they defeated Spain 6-3 in the semi-final match. So all of a sudden, they've picked up some form. Yeah, and they've given Spain a flogging. So they've made it through to the gold medal match against the Netherlands, who were just beating everyone, you know, throughout their tournament. Yeah. And they beat the Aussies in an earlier round. Yeah, they beat the Kookaburras in the preliminary rounds. And, yeah, and four years earlier, they knocked the Aussies out of the tournament, the Sydney Olympics, in a uh, penalty shootout. Now, in a tightly fought contest, the scores were locked at nil all. And the Aussies were dominating, you know, pretty much the whole match, you know. But, yeah, the scores were locked nil all. And then, yeah, in the sixth minute, the Dutch scored a goal against the runner play. Yeah, and this was, yeah, six minutes from half time they scored a goal, the Dutch, despite the Aussies, you know, just dominating. And, yeah, they should have been about six nil up, the Aussies, with all the chances they had. Yeah, and however... The Aussies bounce back three minutes into the second half with a goal to Travis Brooks to lock it up at one all. And the score remained this way till the end of regulation time. Now, yeah, so they've, you know, it's one all. It's a game the Aussies should have won. So they, but the coach, he was good, you know, he got them together. He's basically said to the team, and you've dominated this match, just hang in there. Do what you're doing, and you'll win. You know, yeah. a chance is gonna, yeah, it's it's gonna pay off. Anyway, so it goes in the extra time with both teams having chances, and it's don't touch the set, don't touch your remote, don't you go anywhere. And eight times, eight minutes into extra time, and in a great moment in Australian sporting history, Jamie Dwyer. Slammed home a goal for the Aussies from a penalty corner, sealing the gold medal and the nation's first Olympic men's hockey gold medal. 
Dwyer said when interviewed on the Howie Games podcast that he intended to flick the ball at the goal when receiving it from the set play from the penalty corner. However, at the last second, changed his mind and decided to hit the ball. And when it went through the goalkeeper's legs and into the goal, Dwyer said it was like the movies where everything just stopped. <laughs> he said. And when he, re- yeah. And when he realised the ball had actually gone in and the umpire blew a goal, he said he, quote, celebrated like a crazy man and ran around for a while, end of quote. Now, the monkey was finally off their back. Dwyer's outstanding performances at the Olympics helped gain him his first International Hockey Player of the Year award. And, yeah, he sort of, like, in that tournament, you know, he sort of knew that the team had an edge over the Dutch, and you know this was when like you know they're in in the gym like the Aussie team was training in the gym and the Dutch team walked past and uh, you know some, some of the players are going oh, what are you guys doing you got a match tomorrow why what are you doing why are you working out in the gym <laughs> yeah and that's when he sort of knew he had an yeah they they had an edge over them yeah. yeah so he was he was sort of confident the whole time that they were going to win that gold medal yeah now, in 2005, Dwyer won the first of his six champion trophies and in 2006 picked up gold as part of the Aussie team at the Melbourne Commonwealth Games. Now, by March 2006, Dwyer had played 122 times for his country and scored 79 goals. Now, he was named player of the tournament that year at the World Cup. Now, in 2008, Dwyer was part of the Australian team that defeated Spain in the Champions Trophy final and was named Player of the Tournament. And he scored four goals at the 2008 Olympics with the Kookaburras going away with the bronze medal. Now, he became captain of the national team in 2009 and led the Kookaburras in winning the 2009 Champions Trophy on home soil in Melbourne. Now, later that year, yeah, he, he won his third International Player of the Year award and led the Kookaburras to World Cup and Champions Trophy success. That was in 2010. He was named Player of the Tournament and was the equal leading goal scorer. And then he led the team to gold at the Delhi Commonwealth Games where they easily defeated host nation India in the final. I think it was like about 8-0. I remember that match. Yeah. Now, in 2011, Dwyer played a big part in another Oceania Cup victory. Now, Australia's seventh title it was and fourth consecutive Champions Trophy, scoring seven goals and being the tournament's leading goal scorer. Now, Dwyer was named the International Player of the Year for the third time in a row, and it was his fifth time overall. So he's becoming one of the all-time greats of of hockey. And he became the first male player to win the award five times. Now, Dwyer was part of the Aussie team that claimed the bronze medal at the 2012 London Olympics. And he scored six goals in the tournament. And that's basically, you know, yeah, that's that's the um, probably, you know, all the times that the Aussie team didn't win the gold medal. Uh. Yeah, he think he said they were failures. And especially that 2012, because that's when, all throughout his career, 
No, uh, he believes that was when the Aussie team was at its very best. Uh, yeah, and he said, yeah, yeah, they should have won that gold medal. Yeah, it was, a, yeah, the fact that they didn't win, you know, it was a, yeah, like it was one that they, you know, because they'd won everything leading up to it. But yeah, they just couldn't put it together. And he played in his last Champions Trophy that year, winning a gold medal and helped Australia win the FIH World League in 2013, 2014 season for the first time and he helped play a key role in Australia defending its World League title a year later. Now Dwyer announced his retirement at the end of the 2016 Rio Olympics and he became the most decorated kookaburra in history, finishing with a record 243 goals from 365 international games. Now Dwyer played professional hockey in Europe during his career and that was in 2004, 2005 and 06 in the Netherlands. Now in 2009, he played for a team called Bloemendal HC. It's Bloemendal Hockey Club in the Dutch League. Yeah, so the Dutch League's the biggest in the world. And yeah, in 2008, he played for a team called Laren. Now in 2011, he played club hockey in Germany for Mannheim. And in 2012, he went back and to play in the Dutch League and rejoined uh, Blumendahl HC. And they, they play in front of big crowds, you know, 10,000 or so. Yeah, big sport there. Now, from 2013 to 2015, he played for the Punjab Warriors in the Hockey India League. And in 2016-17, he played for the, the Utah Pradesh Wizards. Yeah, so they're a, they're a team based in Lucknow, the city of Lucknow. And he travelled the world and played hockey for little financial reward. Yeah, and he was away from his family a lot too. And yeah, they had to employ a nanny. Uh. Mm. Now, when playing for Australia, all the, the players earned the same amount of money, which he didn't think was right. So like an 18-year-old who was in the squad and hadn't played for Australia before, yeah, he was earning the same money as Dwyer. You know, he was like a uh, kookaburra legend. Uh, <laughs> Do you agree with that? Uh, you reckon like a, they should all get the same pay? Like depending on, you know, how exper many... Experience. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking because there's a, there's a campaign around about that at the moment. That's mm. like communism, isn't it? Regarding jobs. Mm. Yeah, if you're, if you're doing a job... Yeah, should someone that's only been in it for a year be be paid the same amount as mm. if been in there for twenty? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Dwyer played for the Queensland Blades in the Australian Hockey League, and he was named captain of the world team in two thousand and seven, and in twenty eleven was named in the World All Star Team. Now in twenty eleven he was inducted into the Australian Institute Best of the Best. Now, during his playing career, Dwyer gave back to the game, coaching a junior boys team and running clinics for young hockey players. Now, before substitutions were frequently used in hockey around 2006, Dwyer said on the Howie Games podcast he would run around 7 to 8 kilometres a match. So, yeah, we're a GPS, and they do that in a lot of sports. Yeah, yeah GPS and a heart rate monitor. 
I wonder what his um, resting heart rate is. <laughs> we should have a punt. I reckon it's like 50. Let's see how fit he is. Yeah. Yeah, because he did a lot of running, sprinting, you know, and he's, which is involved in that playing position so in the midfield. Do you think that the fitter you are, the, the slower the heart resting yeah. rate? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the fitter you are, the lower your resting heart rate. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, marathon runners, they get it down to 40 something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some of them. Yeah, and he, now. Have you heard of the beep test? <laughs> Thank God I've never done it before, but I used to, when I was a teacher, I used to um, get the kids to do it. You know, it's part of the fitness component. Oh, boy. <laughs> I used to just stand there with the... I used to love it, you know, with the... Um, yeah, just press the tape recorder. <laughs> While they're running up and down. 20 metres up, back, up, back. Yeah, so he got 16.5 on the beep test. Now, that is, like, <laughs> excellent. That's, like, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah, like, around there, like, the higher, the better. Yeah, yeah but, yeah, it doesn't get much higher than 16.5, I'll tell you that. Yeah, now, Dwyer was not tall. He was only 172 centimetres. However, his best asset was his change of direction. So let's look at what Jamie Dwyer is doing today. So he's now 44 years of age. Now he's still playing and plays in the top men's side for the YMCC Coastal City Hockey Club in the Melville Toyota League. So that's in uh, Perth, in Western Australia. Now his nickname is Fetus. I wonder why his nickname's Fetus. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That is a weird nickname. And he's a long-time Brisbane Lions fan. And he plays Australian Rules Fantasy Football. Yeah, I don't know if I'm a big fan of those fantasy league things. But yeah, well, basically what it is, you create a user registration. Um, so And, you know, one team in a game. So, like, eligible players assemble and... You manage these sort of virtual teams of you know AFL players, and you score points based on the players' performances. But I was listening to Phil Gould during the week. You know the great, oh, you know rugby league media coach and former player, and yeah, and he he's not a fan of these fantasy leagues because he was saying that the best players. It's not when they've got the ball, it's what they do off the ball. And in the in the big dance, in that documentary, you know, Michael Jordan says, Yeah, that yeah, his best games were what he did when he didn't have the ball in his hand. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah, so um Yeah, but Dwyer met his wife Leone while playing professional hockey in the Netherlands. Now she is Dutch and they married in two thousand and eight. And they have two sons and a daughter. And he lives in Perth. And his current manager is former Aussie Test cricketer, Stuart McGill. There you go. Yeah. Now, apparently, you know, when they were in India, yeah, 
because his wife's got you know this long blonde hair and uh yeah they'd all be like <laughs> all these indian people would be going touching her hair and there's like you know they'd never seen it before yeah yeah now, in 2021, Dwyer was inducted into the Sport Australia Hall of Fame. And he now runs a business selling hockey gear. So it's called jdhsports.com. And you can go there and purchase any hockey gear you need. And it also sells floorboard sticks and paddle equipment. And pickleball equipment is coming out soon. Yeah, there's a big growth in pickleball here on the Gold Coast. What's that? I think it's like... Um, mini tennis you know yeah but i've played paddle ball with livy at um oh you know that sports complex in carrara yeah yeah we played it there about four years ago yeah. it's a it's a great game yeah. it's sort of like a, a mixture of tennis and squash so it's like on a mini tennis court but at the back of the court you've got like a you know the squash boards yeah that's oh, a really good game, but it, it's it's um, big in Europe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But pickleball's really starting. You know, it's mm. becoming very popular here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but with with that job that he does with his business, he goes to Pakistan a lot, and he loves going over there. You know, because uh. yeah, they just love hockey and. Mm. Yeah, when he goes to the factories, you know, because that's where he gets all his sticks from. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, he wants to test out the equipment. And he couldn't understand, you know, because in Australia, you can just go and test the equipment out. Yeah. But they don't do it like that over there. But they, yeah. they let him do it. And he's gone outside, you know, there's like a small patch of grass and he's, you know, practicing all these skills there. The next thing he knows, it's like uh, about 600 Pakistani people crowd around him. Uh, uh, <laughs> wow, look how good this guy is. Uh, and then the boss comes out and blows them all up and tells them all to get back to work. Uh, and yeah. Now Dwyer now also runs a restaurant, which was all new to him. And he invested in running a restaurant in Perth with former swimmer and three-time Olympic medalist Eamon Sullivan. Now, Sullivan is a former world record holder in the 50 metres and 100 metres freestyle and was winner of the first season of Celebrity MasterChef. Oh, do you like those MasterChef shows? And oh, If you ever see me watching one of them, you know I've been kidnapped, Glenn. <laughs> I suppose they've got Rams. Oh, gosh. Oh, I don't mind him because he shows a bit of character on there. I love it when he blows up. You know? uh, yeah. I think it's sort of a bit of a over, mm. over kill. Yeah. Now, Dwyer and Sullivan just had their 10-year anniversary of running the restaurant, which is a great achievement. And Dwyer said it is, is a, it is a lot of uh, challenging work. However, they make money from it. And he enjoys the fact that it's on the waterfront with great scenery, looking over the Indian Ocean. Now the food is great, and it's a uh, it's modern Australian, and the Fremantle octopus is his favourite dish, along with the gnocchi and steak. Can do you remember the octopus joke? Yeah. Oh, can you tell it after this, okay. please? Uh. <laughs> But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, I have to try and think of a way because it's sort of 
it needs to be visualized oh yep yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> i'll give it a go i'll see if i can explain we it. might upset some animal rights people maybe but it's a joke yeah that's right it's a joke yeah, yeah the, 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 yeah a few years ago there was big screens about yeah the cartoons like the road runner and and that and you know and how it's teaching the kids violent and that yeah and then they have all these games come out that's right but yeah, yeah. with the cut with, with the with the the Roadrunner and that, then Miley Cody, mm. no one actually died. Nah. There were just stupid things done. <laughs> yeah, and I could relate to that growing up in the country. Yeah. Because I'd done some stupid things and I should have oh, died. Same but, yeah, yeah. It was just, yeah. Yeah. Bit under the top. Yeah, so he loves his octopus, and that's his favourite dish along with the gnocchi and steak. Now, Eamon does a lot of the cooking with the other chefs. Did you see that blow-up on the Gold Coast here, outside that restaurant? I think it was in Broadbeach. It was on the news last week. Yeah, this guy, he runs a successful restaurant. And um, all these animal rights protesters, you know, uh, like just kept hounding him, you know, yeah. and with all their bloody signs out the front. and uh. Yeah, and... You know, the fact that they don't have any vegetarian food there. Yeah. yeah. Any vegetarian dishes and... Oh, just causing absolute havoc. And this wasn't just once or twice. This was happening a fair bit. And he just had a gutful, this bloke. Yeah. And he just went out there and just started, you know, getting stuck into them. And then there was a big brawl that erupted. And yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but... Dwyer said that the the sport is good because it makes you think during your career what you're going to do when you retire from the sport to survive and what connections you will have. Yeah, and that's, a, that's important because it's a big problem for many sports people when they retire. Yeah, yeah especially the swimmers they, they, yeah, and the rugby league players. They especially can struggle with that. Now... Yeah, so Dwyer said the Olympics was an amazing experience, especially in the food hall, when he just sat there and watched all the different athletes, such as the big weightlifters and the volleyballers and the basketballers. And, you know, next thing he'd be eating lunch and superstars like Usain Bolt and Roger Federer and LeBron James and Rafael Nadal and Michael Phelps, you know, be walking into... (laughs) Imagine how much, you know, those weightlifters eat. Gosh. Yeah. But Dwyer and the Kookaburra's Olympic victory at the 2004 Olympics has never received the recognition it has deserved. And that's the story of Jamie Dwyer. Mm. So, look reveal our answer to our who am I now what's the answer Glenn (laughs) willpower 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 that's a great name isn't it yeah I never knew he'd won two IndyCar world championships yeah 
I never knew all that. I knew he'd won some races. I never knew he'd won world championships and a an Indy car. That's huge. So I'll reveal my top five now. My top five underrated sportsmen. So in fifth spot, I've got Luke Longley and Andy Bickle. Fourth spot, I've got Stan Warinka. Third spot, I've got Chris Froome. And in second spot, I've got our Where Are They Now for Today, Jamie Dwyer. And in top spot, drum roll please. <laughs> I have Joe Calzaghi. Yeah, who was your number one? Murph Hughes. Murph Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like characters. Oh, he's certainly one of them. Yeah, mm. yeah he used to kiss, you know, all the players' ears on the field. And, oh, <laughs> yeah, boy. Stick, stick his tongue in. Yeah. yeah. No, okay. Um, so next step, oh, yeah, the joke. The joke, okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just talk about what we'll do next week for next episode. Okay. Yes, yeah, so we spoke about one, uh, an example today with the laser light. So we're going to talk about spectator blow-ups and misbehaviours, some of them from yeah. over the years. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I've, I've got a story I can tell for that one. Yeah? Yeah, which I was at the Sydney Cricket down round with a day night between um, South Africa and Australia. And the... In Bay 13, and there's a guy at the back that's been on the been on the grog, mm. and got got yeah too much, and the crowd just got sick of him, and and the bay you know sort of the back half of the bay stepped up, mm. and there's a concrete barrier and a and the a railing, but the crowd picked this guy up, hey. threw him over the railing straight down to the. And you have this crack. How far down was it? Oh, it would have been a good eight feet. Bless my soul. And the police just came along and just dragged him away. Eh? <laughs> Gee, there used to be some brawls and the SCG there, especially on the hill, eh? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah, I remember going to a lot of one-day games, you know, as a kid. and oh, It'd just be one after the other, wouldn't it? Yeah. It was all alcohol fueled. Yeah. 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 But, but yeah, but those also some yeah, really good good um good spectators that were yeah, um mm. yeah, really helping out. Yeah. Yeah, like when kids were coming down to to get Shane Warren's autograph, yeah, there'd be a few guys in the way and yeah, and a couple of other guys there said, Oh, get out of the way let the let the little let the little Vegemites through to get, <laughs> to get the autograph. Yeah, so, yeah. Right. Okay. Give us the joke. Joke. Okay. Well, this guy goes down to. Uh, I was going to say vegetarian shop. No, um, a pet shop. And he says to the guy behind the counter, he says, "I want an octopus." So the guy said, okay, but you got to remember whatever surface you put them on, 
always make it wet. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so the guy gets it home and and puts him and forgets about putting the water down, puts him on the dining room table. <laughs> anyway, he, um, he, ring, he rings up the pet shop and says, oh, I forgot to put the water on the table, and now he's stuck there. He said, don't worry, I'll come down <laughs> to, um, I'll come down there, yeah, shortly after work. So he goes mm. down and, and he comes in and he comes running down the hallway with his shovel and he goes dunk onto the head of the, the, um, <laughs> the octopus. The octopus and nothing happens. So he, he runs back again and he comes running down the, yeah, they have another swing at the octopus, and the octopus, yeah, yeah, lifts all his tentacles up and covers, covers. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, don't! On that note? Yeah, there was a guy <clears throat> that came into the pub and said, oh, mate, I just saw you. I just saw your car been stolen. Gone mm. under you go and stole it. And then and the guy said, uh, did you see the guy's face? And the uh, and the guy that came in reporting it said, No, but I got his red number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always important to get that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for that, Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. So, thanks for joining us for this episode of The Sports Shack. So, all references for this episode are on the platform page. And please check out our Facebook posts for My Sporting Memories. And thanks to Gold Studio Productions for producing The Sports Shack and Paul's 50 Years of Sporting Memories. Please check out Gold Studio Productions on Facebook. So, it's a goodbye from Paul. It's a goodbye from Liz. Goodbye. <laughs>